Kia ora, I'm Alex Ashton and this is The Detail. Today, why armed police patrols are underway in Auckland, Waikato and Canterbury. They will look like every other frontline police officer, but they will be equipped in such a way that they will be able to respond to those incidents in a way uh, that immediately provides support to other frontline staff to ensure that our communities remain safe. At least three specially trained AOS officers will travel in these SUVs. They'll always carry standard Glock pistols and tasers with rifles locked in the boots. What's behind the armed patrols and the protests against them? The policeman is just a person at the end of the day and he might be having a bad day. Yeah, and we don't want anyone having a bad day with a firearm. No. It will change the way people uh, see the police. And I think it also runs the risk of, of having uh, uh, certain sects of the community, those with uh, criminal leanings, arming themselves. If they're going to commit a crime and they think there's a risk that armed police teams will be there, then, then they will arm themselves too and perhaps be more inclined to use those firearms. On a Friday morning a few weeks back in Monaco, media were called to hear an announcement from the police commissioner, Mike Bush. What we're doing today is we are launching a pilot for armed response teams. Now that pilot will occur in three districts. Counties Monaco, uh, the neighbouring district of Waikaro and Canterbury. And that announcement from police raised questions for detective turned private investigator Tim McKinnell. That question being, do we need armed patrols? Well I think it's a question that's yet to be properly answered. Um, we, uh, our communities had it announced by police that that's what was happening. We must be in a position to deploy our staff appropriately to keep our people and the community safe at all times. They've described it as a trial and I think that's, um, that's probably a fair description of what they're doing but there are a pretty wide range of unanswered questions about why and is this the best thing for our community. Why are we doing this? I mentioned uh, a minute ago that the operating environment has changed over the last few years, and particularly after March 15 in Christchurch. What was your initial reaction when you heard about this? I was surprised. 20 years ago when I was in the police in South Auckland, we talked uh, a lot about, and it was important uh, to consult and communicate and deal with community. Community Community-led policing was the way policing was done. And so, from my perspective, something like this is a fundamental change in the way we police our communities. And I would have thought there would have been quite wide-ranging community consultation on something like this being implemented. As far as I can see, that's not what's happened. Since March 15, New Zealand police have responded to 1,350 reported firearm offences. Is it really that surprising to see something like this, especially given what we saw in March? Well, I question that premise. What's changed since then? That was a one-off incident. Uh, what might have changed is an awareness and, and, and an attention on firearms and firearms-related issues that wasn't there before. But does that mean that because of what happened on March 15, everything has changed? I'm not sure that March 15 changed anything other than what happened on March 15. Uh, there is greater awareness, there's greater attention, there's greater resources going into that side of policing, uh, for sure. But does that mean that the fundamental fabric of society and the use of firearms has actually changed at all. On 100 
and 80 occasions since March 15, firearms have been presented to members of the public or police on 17 occasions since March 15. Those firearms have been uh, presented at police offices. And over half, eight occasions since March 15, police officers have been fired upon. We must be uh, in, a, in a position to ensure that our deployment is professional and deploys in such a way that we can keep our people, New Zealand police officers in the community safe. Could you cynically call it a little bit opportunistic to use March 15th as a rationale for this? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I would want to um, make that accusation without having the opportunity to, to ask direct questions. But I think it's fair that some people are saying that it's opportunistic. Um, we see you know, globally around uh, issues associated with terrorism that governments take opportunities to introduce uh, legislation and changes in the way that uh, they enforce the law uh, on the back of uh, terrorist incidents. And I, I would hate to think that that, um, that was something that was happening here. You will see behind me the vehicles that they will deploy. They are standard police vehicles. They are marked in a way that makes them look a little different so that people know what they are because we need to be absolutely transparent about what we're doing. Police Deputy Commissioner John Timms says they're aware people will have concerns about the ARTs but must recognise that the environment has changed and police resourcing and capability needs to reflect this. The obvious fear here, I guess, is that people who don't need to be shot are shot. Do you think that, given this whole thing's going to be under such tight scrutiny, that that is a legitimate fear? Uh, well, I hope it is under tight scrutiny. I, I, I hope it's properly examined. The, the introduction of these teams isn't something that's faced a great deal of scrutiny. We had a press uh, press conference and some um, flashing lights and uh, and some nice cars produced, and and we were told this is happening. That's, you know, in, in my view, that's policing by decree, not policing by consent. So, uh, I, I have um, questions about whether or not there is the justification for this. If you look at the way uh, police here and in other countries deploy uh, other parts of their arsenal, so dogs or tasers, for example, then we see that they uh, are disproportionately deployed against certain sectors of the community. Uh, in New Zealand, it's Māori and Pacifica in particular. Uh, in other countries, it's, it's, it is racial m minorities. So I, th I think there is a, a, a fairly substantial body of evidence that tells us that there is a risk that these teams will be deployed against Māori and Pacific communities. And the pushback started straight away. A Pacifica mother of two has helped launch a petition urging the police to scrap their armed response pilot, saying she's worried about her community's future if it becomes permanent. And protest rallies. It is an insult to tell us that it's for the safety of communities because of this white supremacist terrorist attack. An agency that historically and currently have harmed Māori communities, Pacific Fano communities, brown communities. They cannot say that they're here to keep us safe because we don't, we don't feel that way. Well, it's difficult with these sorts of trials because everybody knows they're on trial and they'll be deployed and they'll be aware of this trial 
process that, and and the assessment, and so it will be, it potentially runs the risk of being uh, these teams deployed in a way and operating in a way that would be slightly different than what they would be if they weren't on trial, because the teacher's looking or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But you know, one one of the one of the overwhelming voices um, that I've heard from the community is from Afiso Collins, a, a councillor in South Auckland. Historically, these communities have had really poor interactions with the police. All the research suggests to us that they're going to feel unsafe with them. If you're Māori, you're 13 more times likely to have a dog set on you than if you are Pākehā. You're eight times more likely to have a taser on you if you're Māori than if you are Pākehā. And so that's a fair point. What are the police doing to measure how these teams are deployed and where they're being deployed and what ethnicities are they being deployed against? And I'm, you know, the way the police collect data at the moment around their interactions with the community, there is a gap in in terms of who it is they're dealing with. Uh, We're only able to see things like uh, racial bias uh, once a formal process begins. Uh, There are gaps in the information around interactions and, and how general policing teams are used, I would hate for this, these types of teams uh, to operate in a way where we can't look back and see how they're deployed against ethnic minorities. The police admit that unconscious bias exists in the force and are trying to change the way they do things to turn the numbers around. They've just released their new Māori strategy, Tehuringa or Tetai, which, among other things, aims to slash Māori reoffending by a quarter by 2025. Later this week, the details going to delve into exactly what the police are trying to do with the new strategy and whether it will make a difference. Commissioner Bush has done a good thing by acknowledging that uh, unconscious bias exists, but it's really difficult to separate uh, plain, flat-out, deliberate racism from unconscious bias uh, without uh, you know, detailed interviews and assessments of people. So it's very difficult for us to differentiate what it is we're dealing with, but it is undoubted uh, on the evidence that there is bias in policing and law enforcement both globally and here in New Zealand. The the evidence is clear. When it comes to militarising the police, it is brown males who are going to suffer the most, and that's the danger I see. If you had the commissioner in front of you, what questions would you ask him about why this trial is being implemented? I'd like to start by seeing some comparative data. So they've they've trotted out some numbers uh, around um, firearms-related issues. Um, but they, we, we haven't seen evidence that there, there's an increase or a rise in these types of incidents. So that's one thing I would want to cover. What, what so are, just confirming that there's actually been an increase since, since March 15th. Yeah, that's right. Not um, just a big number since it, March 15th. It, exactly, because it's meaningless. A big number is meaningless if, if compared to previous years. Uh, it is, is uh, no greater or, or perhaps even less. And there is, I think, some evidence to suggest uh, that firearms crimes are on the decrease. So if you take that in the context of the firearms amnesty, where we are taking tens of, literally tens of thousands of firearms out of circulation here in New Zealand, uh, then what is the justification for this? So I want to talk to the Commissioner about that. I'd like to talk to the Commissioner about what other options were considered. Why is this the best option? Um, and and why the why the communities that have been selected for this, particularly counties Manukau, why have they been selected for this? And the final question I would want to to ask the commissioner, and I'd, I'd like it to be answered, is what practical examples are there where 
teams like this would have been effective and we didn't have them. So what what hole is the, are these teams plugging? And that's not clear to me either. People might remember the broken windows policy, a sort of policing technique that came out of New York. It was um, zero tolerance type uh, policing, and it was something that was taken on board here. It's, it's, when was that? It was. Uh, it would have been in the late nineties. It was around that time it emerged out of New York City, and it was an example of tough policing uh, in in particular neighbourhoods, and it's proved to be uh, completely flawed. But us and other parts of the global um, policing community looked at it, saw an initial drop in crime and took it on. Um, if you look at what's happening uh, with the research and the literature now in the States around the militarisation of police, it's generally uh, been regarded as unsuccessful. Uh, it doesn't make police any safer and communities don't appear to feel any safer. In fact, there is some evidence to suggest they feel less safe. It just encourages people, to, other people's criminals and things to carry guns as well, doesn't it, you know? I don't think it'll make it safer, but it'll, it'll help prevent more from happening. I don't, I'm sure about the armed part of it. Is it really that different to how things are at the moment? We already have armed defender squad on call. Yeah, I, th- I think is this is, really such a fundamental change because you use the word fundamental. I, I think it is a major change having twenty four seven armed police teams roaming the streets looking for work. I think is a fundamental change. I think uh, in, in in particular communities, uh, County Manukau, for for example, it, it's a substantial change, and it's. I think the commissioner made a, a reasonably. A good point that they'll be dressed like normal police officers, but they won't. People will know who they are. They're driving around in, in tinted out SUVs. Uh, they won't just be re- reactive. They the the commissioner has admitted they'll be used for search warrants and and other operations. And I th- I think that uh, you could make the slippery slope argument. Once you introduce teams like this, it becomes much easier to make them part of the mainstream and so I think we need to think very very carefully before we we accept their introduction. Mm, slippery slope to what? Uh, further militarisation of policing. So that would mean more of these teams uh, sort of more readily available uh, deployment on and on occasions where they're not necessarily required because they need to be seen to be busy, they need to be justifying uh, their reason for existence and justifying the cost that will come with them and those sorts of things. So, uh, But overall, it's it's the slippery slope towards the militarisation of of policing in New Zealand, which concerns me the most. When this is evaluated and they look to judge whether this has been successful or not, what do they look for? Is these teams doing nothing, is that a great result? Or are these teams shooting a couple of people, is that a good result? Does that kind of concern you? It does concern me. This is part of the opaqueness of, of, of the argument that's been put forward for their introduction. Not only do we not know what else was uh, was considered and ruled out and in preference for these teams, but we don't know how they're going to be measured. I think that's all very vague. And I think, again, coming back to the, uh, to the assessment of these, on, on what bases will they be regarded as a success and I think that's a really important question that's not the answer to that's not clear the commissioner hasn't been clear about that and I think um, it's too late now these teams exist in our communities Um, we want some I think our communities want really firm answers about how they're going to be measured and whether we're going to know um, 
which communities and which ethnicities they're being deployed against. We have been pushed out of the decision-making process over whether or not we will have teams of cops rolling around our streets, around our homes, around our families, armed with guns. Did you see this stuff differently when you were in the police force? Yeah, I, th- I did to some extent. I think um, I think it's uh, it's only natural that when either before you go in or when you leave that your views change. And I think, you know, I've I've been reasonably clear that I have some concerns about the introduction of these teams. But I, I at the same time, it is an incredibly difficult job, and police officers are regularly put in harm's way. And on occasions, and there are there are occasions where um, where police don't have the tools that they necessarily need to do their job and we don't want to see police officers getting hurt and injured uh, uh, at work and so they need to have the tools and they need to be protected. Uh, But even if you look at uh, violence against police officers uh, in recent years, I I haven't seen the data that that makes it clear that it's on the increase. Mm And so I, I just think we need – it's easier for me now to be uh, to question these things, to be more objective because it's not me on the front line. And so I, I, th- I think that's a reasonable point. Mike Bush is adamant the trial does not mark the start of routinely armed officers. This complements our current operating model. As people know, um, we've been very open about the fact that all of our frontline staff are well-trained and well-equipped and have immediate access to tactical options, which include firearms. The Police Minister, Stuart Nash, shares a similar message. This is not about general arming. This is about specialised squads of men and women who have a unique set of skills that allow them to respond in a way that they haven't been able to to date. It's interesting to me that um, that Stuart Nash in particular, and to a lesser extent uh, the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, have really declined to get too heavily involved in the discussion. They've simply said it's an operational matter for police. I would, I would argue that such a fundamental change in the way we police our communities is a political issue. Um, I accept and understand the need for operational independence, but this is a major change. And I'd be interested to know what discussions were had with, with the police minister in particular uh, between him and the commissioner and his leadership team about the introduction of these teams. It's not an insignificant change to the way we police. It really isn't. Um, and I say that as somebody that um, has worked in the police and now uh, works on defence teams and those sorts of things. So I, I think it's a substantial change. And, you know, I, I'm open to being convinced that it is the only option. I'm open to that, but I'm far from convinced. And what would you need to see to be convinced of that? I would need to see the data. I would need to see the research. I'd need to see evidence that, uh, now that the teams are introduced that they're being fairly deployed. Uh, and I would need to see uh, evidence that there is no better way. That's the detail for today. I'm Alex Ashton. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. Mate wa. Well.